Thank you for tuning in to the audio podcast of Renaissance Church, a new church plant located in Montreal, Quebec. For more information about Renaissance Church, please check out our website, renaissancemtl.com. If you would like more information about joining the launch team of Renaissance, or if you would like information on how you can partner with us to see the gospel advance in Montreal, please send us an email at renaissance.mtl at gmail.com. Well, again, welcome and Merry Christmas. So grateful to gather together this morning. And so, um, obviously, as you saw, we're going to be talking about love this morning. And, you know, we saw in the video, love's a tricky word, right? Because you can say, you know, hey, I love my mom and I love pizza. And maybe that's equal for some people. It's like, yes, I love my mom equally as much as I love pizza. When I'm hungry, that's potentially true. I don't know. But, um, you know, and there are, like, countless, like, Obviously, if you go look through like popular music for decades and decades, like most of them are love songs and about love and all those kinds of things. So there's lots of movies about love and jokes about love. And so I did this um, specifically for one of my daughters. Um, so Maya, you might want to pay attention because I have some, uh, just to get us thinking about love, um, these are good and important jokes about love. Now, I'm not a comedian, so you guys got to help me and you have to laugh at these jokes, right? Um, so the first one is, why shouldn't you fall in love with a pastry chef? Because he'll desert you, right? So be aware of that. Um, what do you call two birds in love? Tweet hearts. And this one is appropriately Canadian um, because it has to do with hockey. And it's why should you never break up with a goalie? Because he's a keeper. So now that you are fully thinking about love and my wonderful jokes, um, uh, I'm, not, I'm done with jokes now. That was, that was the joke section of the sermon. We're going to move on. All of that to say, love is an important and vital part of being human, right? We, people, people want to fall in love and stay in love and be loved and have someone to love and all those things, and it's all around us at all times. But today what we're going to get into is what is the source of love? Where does it come from? How can we truly experience love um, in our own lives, and what, you know, like also like the true experience of loving someone else and giving love away. And how can we live in a way that our love convinces other people of the love of God? As you kind of saw in the video, like there's multiple ways to define love and all of that. And so I, pretty immediately, kind of in our culture and context, our minds go to a romantic kind of love. Like, oh, I love you, you love me, this is wonderful, you know, all that kind of thing. Um, which is part of it, right? But as we think about this today, I want you to think about love in the terms of love is really in the way that like, that's unconditional. I love someone even if they can't do something back for me. I love someone that's going to lead to me like caring for them and serving them and all those things. So romantic love is a piece of love, but it's not the whole thing. So think about this morning the big picture of love. So as we're continuing through, we've been in a series called Joy to the World. Um, as we've done um, what this season leading up to Christmas is called, is called Advent, which is a word from church history that just has to do with like leading up to Christmas and celebrating Christmas. And so the Advent season is a time to proclaim joy to the world because Jesus has come to bring peace, to bring hope, to bring joy, and to bring love. And as we've said, as we've gone through this whole thing, we can have each of these things because of Jesus. Peace and hope and joy 
and love because of the fact that Jesus has come, that we celebrate Christmas because of the birth of Jesus. So each week through this series, we've been celebrating the birth of Jesus and the fact that he brings joy to the world. So beyond the Christmas lights and the food and the decorations and the presents and the gifts and all of these things at the very core of why we celebrate, it's because Jesus has been born and we celebrate that he has come. Christmas is about Jesus. But our main point today is this. Jesus has come to bring love. We're going to read um, a portion from the Bible here in a moment. And, what, but what, and from that, here's what I want us to see. That God is love. And Christmas shows us that he has revealed his love for us by sending his son Jesus to be the sacrifice for the sins of the world. We love others because of the great love that God has shown to us. Jesus has come to bring love. So each week we've had candles. Someone have Francois, if you can go ahead and come. Um, so each week the candles represent a piece of this Advent. So if you remember, the first week was about peace and then hope and then joy and then love. And so they burn at different rates because they've been lit at different times, right? Um, but this is just a visual way to remember these elements of why we celebrate Advent, why we celebrate Jesus coming. And so as we see these today, just let it be a visual reminder that Jesus has come to bring peace and hope and joy and love to our lives. I'm going to pray, if you'll join me, um, as we just um, prepare to to jump into the, the sermon this morning. Let's pray together. God, we are so humbled and grateful, God, that you have shown your love to us weak and broken people that don't have it all figured out, but God, you have shown your love to us through Jesus. And so today, we celebrate that. We celebrate Christmas together as a church. We celebrate that there is hope to be found in Jesus. God, this morning, we want to put our attention on you. God, we want to listen with our hearts, not just our ears. God, we want to walk away from today with a clearer picture of who you are and the love that you have shown us. So God, would you um, help us to understand more of you this morning? Help us to listen with open hearts and open ears. And God, let us um, just be um, captivated by your greatness this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so as we jump in, Christmas brings about celebration because it reminds us that Jesus has come, that Jesus is the promised Messiah, the one that's been sent from God to rescue us out of our sin and brokenness. And that word sin, you're going to hear multiple times this morning, and you may be familiar with it, you may not, but it's basically this idea of rebellion against God, of saying, God, thank you for all you've done. I want to do things my way. I'll take it from here. So sin is anything that's not in the way that God has designed it. And Jesus has come to rescue us out of that and out of our guilt and our fear and our shame. But let's back up just a little bit and ask the question, why do we need rescuing? Like, this is like, let's, let's get back to that this morning. So why does it matter that Jesus came to earth? Why does Christmas matter in that regard? Because at Christmas we celebrate that Jesus, as the Son of God, was born as a literal baby in a literal place and was born to grow up one day, live, he lived a perfect life, gave his life on the cross, and died for the sins of the world and rose again. That's, we believe all that to be true, but let's back up and say, why did that need to happen? Right? And so this morning... I want to summarize the message of Jesus. And for some, this may be very familiar. 
Um, and so if it is to you this morning, my challenge to you is to let it sink in in a different way. To think and say, God, what do you want to speak to my heart? Because I have to remind myself of this every day, of what the truth of this means, this message of Jesus. So let it sink in in a new and a fresh way this morning. Because the danger of church, the danger of Christianity, is that it becomes like, okay, I've heard it, let's move on. But I want us to stop and remember, this is why we celebrate. This is why we have hope. This is why we can have and experience the love of God because of the message of Jesus. And if this is new to you, then I challenge you to consider what it would mean in your life. To truly listen and say, okay, if this is all true, what would that mean in my life? All right? So we'll start with this. This, this, this is, again, for many people, this is going to be like, okay, yeah, we've listened to this, we've heard this, but I want us to, to really begin thinking in a new way this morning. The first thing is this, to think about the world around us. It's really easy to, to scroll through Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or whatever it is or watch news or whatever and see that the world is messed up, to see that the world is broken, that there are problems everywhere, all around us. There's hatred, there's war, there's political division, there's climate change, there's scandals, and the list like goes on and on and on. So, Merry Christmas, right? Now that you're thinking about all these wonderful negative things, right? Merry Christmas. We know that it's all around us, and I would describe this as brokenness. This is not the way that God intended it to be. And basically every bit of things that we see of people hurting other people and harming people and doing these things and lying and cheating and all of these things is because of brokenness. It's because of sin. It's not what God intended. It is all around us. And so we can look and be like, yep, all the problems, there's problems. And we, if you're honest, we can all recognize that. But we also have to recognize that there is brokenness in us as well. And again, this is what the Bible would call sin, rebellion against God. There's brokenness in knowing that we fail. We don't have it all together all the time. And if anybody tells you that they do, they're, they're lying, which means they don't, right? Um, we fail. We know what guilt feels like. We know what shame feels like. We experience fear in our lives. We experience the stress and the anxiety and all these things of life. We have spoken to people with unkind words. Maybe today, maybe yesterday, whatever. We have done unkind things to other people. All of us know what laziness feels like, and we are guilty of it, and pride, and self-centeredness, and all of the, like, we just keep going on and on. Again, Merry Christmas, let's talk about how bad we are. That's not, you'll see how this all connects here in a moment, right? But what it is, is we have to recognize that, yes, there's brokenness around us in the world, but there's brokenness that's in us as well. We are in the problem, and we're part of the problem, of the brokenness of life. The Bible calls it sin, and it separates us from God. That sin is basically impurity, and God is completely pure and holy. So we cannot be close to God. We cannot be in relationship with God when there is sin in our lives. Now here's the deal. If we're honest, sin is fun for a while. Right? There's a lot of things that you can do that you know are wrong that you're like, no, this is, how could it be wrong if it feels so right? You know, whatever it is. Like how, you know, and so we can think, okay, this is great, but eventually it catches up. Not too long ago, I was somewhat, I think I was, I was making brownies just like out of the box. You dump it in, you put the egg and all that stuff. And my wonderful son, um, I said, Brock, don't eat that right? Um, because it has raw egg in it, you know? And then a few moments later, I looked and he's 
licking it and eating it. And I was like, Brock, don't eat that. It's really good right now. Like brownie batter is really good, but if you eat a bunch of it, it could make you really sick. And sin is kind of like that, that we can be like, man, it's so good. And yet what we have to understand, it will make us sick. It will destroy and ruin our lives. It will bring us to a point where our life is, we, we say, how did I get here? Right? This is what the nature of sin does. Even though it's enjoyable, it will make you sick. And we know, if you're honest this morning, we know that we're broken and we don't like it. We don't like how it feels. So what do we do? It leads us, brokenness that we feel around us and in us leads us to search for a solution. Leads us to say, okay, I've got to fix this. And typically we go one of two ways. Sometimes we say, you know what? I'm going to fix my brokenness. I have to be a really good person. I'm going to work really hard. Maybe I'll be really religious. I'll go to church. I'll read the Bible. I'll pray. I'll do this. Maybe I'll be like really involved in the community. I'll be generous. I'll give money. I'll volunteer. I'll do all these things. And we say, I'm a good person, so I've earned God's love, right? I've done enough. God loves me. I'm a good person. So that's what some people do. And it's good things, you know? If like, okay, if I could, and we also kind of say like, okay, if I could get into that relationship, if I could get that job, make money, do this, whatever it is, we run after all these things that are good things, but we run after them as the solution to our brokenness. Or sometimes people go in the opposite direction. They say, you know what? I feel this brokenness in me, and I really don't like it, and I'm going to run from it and hide from it as much as I can. And that's where you get into, like, really destructive things. You know, you talk about, like, you know, just, like, drugs and alcohol and, like, all these things that literally, like, destroy your life are usually running from and masking the pain that you feel inside, right? And there's all kinds of destructive things that we can say, I hope this makes me feel better. I hope it fixes my brokenness. We don't say it out loud, right? But we, we think it, right? It's in our hearts. But all of it is focused on filling the emptiness, and all of it is unable to do so. And you know this to be true as you're listening. We have to remind ourselves. Again, if you've heard this a million times, remind yourself this morning. Whatever it is, that next thing, if I could get that thing, it'll make me happy. And sometimes it's little things, right? Not too long ago, Abby and I were sitting on the couch watching something, I don't know what we were watching, and I said, I really want ice cream, right? Um, which is normal, because I always really want ice cream, and there's a dep like 30 seconds across the street from our house, and so it's always dangerous because they have ice cream there, right? But we're sitting there, and Abby, my wonderful wife, she says, what's the longing in your heart? And I said, I just want ice cream. But <laughs> it's little things sometimes, right? We say, oh, I want that, I want that, I want that, I crave that, I want to do that, I want to go there, I want to be here, I want to be with them. We have to say, we have to realize that, okay, if I get it, am I truly going to be satisfied? Well, no, probably not, not really. Because the finish line keeps moving with all of these things. It's brokenness that doesn't satisfy our hearts. All these things we run after just lead to more brokenness. But is this how God designed everything? And say, no, it's not what God designed. Let's talk about God's design for a moment. We see around us the beauty of creation, of what God has made, like the mountains and the ocean and the trees and the grass and all these things that God has made, and the people around us that God has created. And we see that God's plan, what God designed from the beginning, is that humans, you and I, would be in relationship with him, and that God's plan is perfect. We are created by God, 
to know God and to bring him glory. When we put Lottie to bed every night, we say, who made you? And she says, God. And we say, why did he make you? Did God made you for his? And she says, glory. Right? God made, we are created to know God and created for his glory, to enjoy God and to be in relationship with him. This is what God designed. This was what God's plan and creation was, that you were created for relationship with God. And what we have to understand, this is actually, whether you believe it or not, whether you think it or not, this is our deepest desire, that every desire we have, every craving, every longing for small things or big things is ultimately goes back to us saying, I want to know God. I want to be in relationship with him. But our brokenness starts to say, well, run after that. Maybe that will fix it. But it doesn't because only relationship with God is what satisfies our hearts because that's how we were created. You were created for relationship, for friendship with God. The God of the universe knows you. And he loves you. The Bible teaches in a certain part of the Bible, it says that he even knows the number of hairs on your head, which seems like a weird thing. But here's the point. He knows you completely. God created you and designed you, and God knows you, and he loves you. Jesus has come to bring love. But as we've already said, there's a problem. It's our sin, our brokenness, our rebellion, and it separates us from God. And it puts us in a spot where we cannot fix ourselves. Because the reality is, on our own, we are helpless and without hope. And we can't be good enough We can't be religious enough. We can't do enough good things for God to say, yeah, you're pretty good, good job. Because we always have the stain of sin in our lives. And we cannot run and hide from our brokenness. It's there. It's part of us. So what do we do with this? Is there hope in the midst of this? Yes, there is, right? Because the message of Jesus is a message of hope and love and redemption And so we look at the bad and we're like, man, I don't really want to talk about this and my sin and my rebellion and my guilt and my shame and all these things. But we have to recognize it. We have to wrestle with it. And we have to say, what does it mean that I can't earn my own way to God? I can't just be a good person and hope that that's enough. I can't just be religious and hope that that's enough. There's good news that comes. Here's the good news. There is a way for broken people like you and I to come into relationship with God. We're going to look at a, a part of the Bible, 1 John chapter 4. So this will be up on the screen, or you're welcome to look at it in a Bible. Let's read this together as we think about the way that God has designed a way that we can come into relationship with him. And it says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Hi, Lottie. Kids are wonderful. Okay. So we think about this scripture. We read this scripture and see that God has shown love. And here's three things I quickly want to move through to help us kind of 
think through that. Three points. Number one, God is love. Number two, God has shown his love by sending Jesus. And number three, because of God's love, we can love others. So the first point there, God is love. And if you look back at verses 7 and 8, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whatever lo- whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. Here's what I want us to see from that. God is the source of love. That it is impossible to know true love without knowing God. We, we know forms of it. We know pieces of it. We have experiences of it. We, we know the concept of love. But in order to know, truly know and experience love the way that God designed it, we cannot experience it without a relationship with God. The only way to experience true love is, is knowing God. And that's not my opinion. It's what the Bible says. God is love. So someone who is apart from God is missing the depth of what love truly means. That the love we give to God and to others is a response to the fact that God has shown us his love. So it boils down to this, that love starts with God. And any love that we give, any love that we experience, any of that is a result of understanding the love that God gives us. God is love. He is the source of love. And that's the main thing I want us to, the main point of this, this first point, to see that love comes from God. Ultimately, and the Bible doesn't say God gives love. It doesn't say God loves you. I mean, it, he does, like it's part of that. But what, here's what it say here. It says he is love. It's kind of hard to describe and explain, right? It's like he like embodies and is, is love. It's, yeah, you can think about that on your own. And really, like, probably there's volumes of, like, things written about this, you know. But to see that he's, he is the source of love, but God in himself is love. Second point for see from this. God has shown his love by sending Jesus. You're looking at verse 9 and 10 again. It says, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Let's talk about that. There's a couple strange words in there. God sent Jesus to reveal or manifest, which means to make clear. God sent Jesus to make clear to us the message of love. Right? And we think about Christmas. This is huge. This is why we celebrate Jesus but Christmas, because at Christmas we celebrate the fact that Jesus was born and came to earth, that God sent his son, Jesus, to earth. The birth of Jesus is the work of God to rescue humanity out of our sin and brokenness. And we can joke and say, okay, Christmas time, and, you know, there's movies that talk about baby Jesus and all those things, which is, you know, whatever. But the point is this, that when we think about Christmas, it is the work of God to rescue humanity out of our sin and brokenness. And Jesus would live his life, and later, 30-ish years later, he would die, and that's why we celebrate Easter, right? The death and resurrection of Jesus, but the birth of Jesus was the beginning of that, of the work of Jesus here on earth. So we celebrate Christmas. So let's look briefly at the Christmas story. The Christmas story from Luke chapter 2, and this will be on the screen as well. I just want us to read this and be reminded of, we talk about the fact that Jesus came. Well, what, what was happening when Jesus came? So let's read this. 
And this is about the birth of Jesus. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was, his, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with, filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those. Um, Peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard, heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This is Jesus being revealed. And it's a lot to read, I, I understand. But it's the message of the announcement, Jesus has been born. He brings peace on earth, good news that will be for all the people. Jesus, born of a virgin, comes to earth to be the one who would rescue us out of our sin. This is Jesus being revealed, made manifest. A different part of scripture, Jesus, it says he will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. That there is no longer, God is not distant and far away. He is God with us. That he came to earth as a human and lived a life like you and I to be with us. So the Christmas story is about the birth of Jesus. But that's just the beginning. Because the birth of Jesus eventually leads us to the cross, where Jesus paid the sacrifice, or as the word from back in our first scripture from 1 John, the propitiation, which is a big word that just means basically he paid the price, paid the sacrifice for our sin. We see that in verse 10, that Jesus came, he was revealed to us, the love of God is revealed to us through Jesus, and Jesus as the Son of God would eventually give his life as a sacrifice for you and I on the cross. And he, rose, he rises from the dead, which is why we celebrate Easter. That Jesus took my place on the cross. I deserved death because of my sin. It's the same for you today. We have to wrestle with that. We have to say, what does that mean? That if I am sinful and separated from God, it means that I have rebelled against God. I have run off and done my own thing. And I deserve the judgment of God. And we don't think this is a happy thought. And it's not, right? Because of our sin, we deserve God's judgment. But the story does not end there. Because Jesus did not only die on the cross, he rose again. He conquered death. That sin and death no longer have to rule our lives. That Jesus conquered death. Praise God that he has shown his love to us through Jesus. This is good news. And the third point 
So we continue, because of God's love, we can love others. And this is where hopefully it gets a little more practical, right? Um, because you think about verse, uh, verse 11, it says, Beloved, if God so loved us, meaning that he gave his son, he sent his son Jesus to die for our sins, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And this is written immediately to a group of Christians in a church saying, hey, think about what Jesus has done. Because of that love, you should love one another. You should love the people around you. You should serve those around you. And it's this truth that the love of Christ compels us, forces us out, sends us out to love others. Have you ever ridden on a merry-go-round? It's like the worst playground thing ever, right? You get on the merry-go-round and someone just starts going faster and faster. What happens eventually to the little kids on the merry-go-round once it goes faster? They just start flying off, right? They just like go and it's probably countless broken arms and head injuries have come from merry-go-rounds. But get that picture. The love of Christ compels us. It sends us out. It forces us out. It's like it throws us off the merry-go-round. It sends us out to love other people. Following Jesus is about letting the love of God change our own hearts so that it can spill out of our lives everywhere that we go. Who can you show love to? Who can you be generous to? Here's the challenge. Go and do that. Go and do that this week. Think about the people around you. Maybe it's a neighbor or a friend or someone you haven't talked to in a long time. Who do you need? Maybe it's someone you don't like at all and they don't like you. But who can you show love to? Because it's not based on us. It's based on the love of God that is perfect and unending. And as it impacts our lives, we can love other people. So think about this practically. And within our church, there's a couple things. How do we do this? I think we do this. We, we show love to one another when we spend time together. When we do things like community groups and we gather to eat food together and spend time together, encourage people, we care for people, right? I, I love the fact that, you know, Francois and Melody just have a baby. And I love the fact that people from our church are able to say, hey, we'll bring food, right? Love, and this is good, right? Love is lasagna, right, Francois? Yeah, so um, I say that because when we brought you a lasagna, I got to eat one too at home. So we had two lasagnas, so, right? But like, this is, these are practical ways that when there are needs, we care for people. When someone's hurting, we show up. When someone needs encouragement, we encourage them. Practically showing love and spending time together. We show love as a, as a church by serving and helping in the community. There's all kinds of things that we have been able to do as a church to volunteer and to help and to serve and to show love. Well, we do that not because of us. We do it because Jesus has shown his love to us. I think another practical way is literally sharing the love of God by literally speaking to other people saying, God has shown his love to me. God has changed my heart and I want to share that with you. It is good news to share. It's the message of love. That because God has shown his love through Jesus, we can share that love with the world. We can be points of light in darkness. We can be people of peace, people of hope, people of joy, and people of love that the world around us says there's something different about you. And it's not because we're better. It's not because we've got it all figured out. It's because God has shown his love to us. So here's my challenge to myself and to you this morning. If you are a follower of Jesus, live with a convincing love, a love that convinces others of the love of God. That's different than arguing with someone or just trying to explain away things to people. Live in a way that convinces them where they say, I can't deny the fact that your life is different because of Jesus. 
So as we wrap up this morning, we say joy to the world because Jesus has come to bring love. What I want to share with you this morning as we close is this, is that you are loved. I want you to know that today. And maybe some people in the room, you've always felt loved and you've always known someone loves me. You've always known that. But maybe you have never truly felt loved. I want you to know this morning that you are loved by God first and foremost. That he created you. He knows you. He loves you. He doesn't forget about you. You are loved by God. And I want you to know from this this morning that you are loved by us, by Renaissance, by myself and Graham and the other pastors of the church and, and people in the church. You are loved. And the message of Jesus and the message of Christmas is that we are loved we can be forgiven, we can be made right, we can be made whole, and you and I can know God. One of the lines from the video that we just watched is that love is seeking the well-being of others without expecting anything in return. Which sounds nice, that's great, we should do that. But I want you to think about the fact that that's what Jesus has done for us. Jesus gave himself fully when he knew that there's nothing we could do to, like, repay him. Because we're a mess. We don't have it all figured out. We're pretty fragile. We're pretty weak. We don't have it figured out. But Jesus gave his life for us, knowing there's nothing that we could really do to repay him. And so when we think about this whole thing, that we're broken because of our sin, that's not what God designed, but God sent his son Jesus so that we can be brought back into relationship with God. That's different than religion. It's different than saying, if I do this list of things, and if I do them all and keep it up, that's enough. God will be pleased and happy with me. That doesn't save anyone. That doesn't fix anyone. It's just religion. But what we're talking about is a heart that has to be transformed when we say, God, I can't, but you can Probably the most well-known verse in the Bible is John 3.16, and it says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. It's not often connected with Christmas, but this is the story of Christmas. That God sent, he gave his only Son. That anyone who puts their faith To say, I know that I'm broken and sinful and I cannot fix myself, but Jesus can because he lived a perfect life. He gave his life on the cross. He rose from the dead. When we put our belief in Jesus as the one to forgive us and to make us right with God, the Bible says that we are forgiven. We are made new. And this idea of belief is this idea of faith, trust. It's all kind of synonymous to say, my, I am saying my only hope is Jesus. My own, I'm putting my faith in him as the one who saves me and rescuing me because I realize that there is nothing else that can fix my life. It's Christ and Christ alone. And when we put our faith and trust in him and when we turn away from our own life of saying, hey, I'm the boss of my life, right? When we say, Jesus, I'm, I'm giving you that title. You are the boss, right? The Bible refers to that as this big fancy word called repentance. Turning away from our sin and putting our faith in Jesus. That when that happens, we're forgiven, 
we're made right with God, then we can recover what God intended, which is relationship with God. We can live, we can pursue him, we can know him, we can say, hey, I want to be a good person, I want to love people, not to earn something from God, but because God has loved me. It's just a reaction rather than trying to earn something. So if you are a follower of Jesus, be reminded of this truth today. Because what you have to say, what are you running to as your hope? Where are you seeking your contentment? Because it's easy, even if you're a Christian and following Jesus, to run to all kinds of things to make you feel, feel fulfilled. It's only found in Jesus. Jesus has come to bring love. And maybe you're here this morning and you're, this is new to you and you're not a follower of Jesus. And again, I just want my challenge to you is to consider, okay, what, what would it mean in my life? What would it mean if this stuff is true? Now, obviously, we believe it to be true. That's why we do what we do. We believe that God has revealed himself to us through Jesus. And you have to wrestle with that, but th there's only two responses. The first response is to say, yeah, I put my trust in Jesus as the one who forgives my sin and makes me right with God. And the second response is to say, nope, I reject it. I'm going to do things my own way which leaves us in, our, in the same position, broken, separated from God, trying to find fulfillment in all kinds of things in life. Jesus has come to bring love, and my challenge is this, is to step into that love today. Maybe for the first time, maybe all over again, maybe you need to because you've just gotten off track, but maybe you need to say, I need to know and experience the love of Jesus in my life. And the love of Jesus that he has shown by giving his life on the cross so that we can be forgiven. This morning, we're going uh, to sing a song together and do a few more things. But I just want you to, as we sing this next song, listen to these words and think about these words that kind of highlights again like, hey, we don't have it all together, but the mercy of God is more. His love is deeper and stronger than any bit of our brokenness. And we think about the bad news. Again, I've, I've kind of shared bad news. There's brokenness, there's mess, there's a mess around us in our own lives. Every bit of that, the love of God is stronger. I say this from time to time, that you are worse off than you realize. I'm worse off than I realize because of my sin. But the love of God is deeper than we can ever comprehend. That he invites us to him. God's not hiding from us. He's welcoming us to say, He's saying, come to me and I will give you rest.